0: Welcome to the Pitching Backwards Lefties Get Loose Podcast. Here are your hosts, Griffin and Welly. Welcome to episode two of Pitching Backwards. Today we're joined by our very first guest, Logan Porter of the Kansas City Royals organization. Logan's a Dixie State graduate and his 72 RBIs in 2017 is the school's single season RBI record.
1: Yeah, we're super excited to have Logan on. You know, we wanted our first guest to have a story that was really unique It could kind of paint a picture of someone who worked his way all the way to pro ball. Two minor league seasons, Logan's a career 336 hitter and nearly 250 at bats and Logan, we're super excited. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me. This is awesome. We're thinking we'll get started and what better place to start than high school. And I actually, you don't know this, but I have a quote from a former high school coach of yours, Coach Swanson. Okay. Here's what he has to say about you. Logan Porter was one of the smartest baseball players that I've had the pleasure of coaching. While in high school, his ability to think ahead of the game was impressive. Equal to his baseball IQ was his ability to play defense. His hands were as good as anyone that I've coached, and at the high school level, his catch release was a a close second to Austin Hedges, who was the best high school age defender I've seen behind the plate. Logan was a joy to coach and eager to learn and get better daily. So just going off that, Logan, you know, what kind of a high school player was Logan Porter? Did you yourself as someone who could play professional baseball? To be honest, I didn't think at the at the high school level, I didn't think that
2: professional baseball wasn't even wasn't even an option. I never thought I knew defensively. I was an okay catcher. I didn't think my bat was there. But to hear those words, that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's pretty. Coach Swanson is is a big influence to me. He was he was very impactful in high school. So I that's someone I look up to. So to hear those words, that's pretty pretty incredible. Um, it's,
1: no, it's worth noting that Coach Swanson's a man of few words, too. So to hear that, yeah. I was like, wow, this guy's the real deal, you know? That's, that's incredible. What kind of options did you have when you were coming out of high school? So I had um, Paradise Valley Community College here in
2: Arizona was one of the, one of the first schools to, uh, to see me and give me an offer. Um, so I committed there first um, my junior year. And then uh, Northwestern Oklahoma State in Oklahoma D two in the great American conference. Uh, they saw me in a showcase, Along with my roommate at the time, uh, Brady Holhalter. and then the final school that saw me was uh, the University of Arizona, U of A. I reached out to them, or they reached out to me after a showcase, and we went down and actually had an official visit. It was too expensive to go there. It was, it was more of like a walk on type thing. It wasn't. It wasn't a guaranteed spot. So those were the three schools that were looking at me, looking at me out of high school.
0: And so you go to Oklahoma. Like that's that's what you end up doing. What stood out about them?
2: I thought. A smaller program, smaller town. Moving away from home, I wanted to see how I could basically live on my own. I wanted to see if I could do it. And also, my roommate, one of my best friends, he was in my wedding, Brady, like I said, he was also going there. So it was even more comfortable having him. It was us two making the 16-hour drive out to Alva, Oklahoma, which was which was really fun.
0: So you're in Oklahoma for two years, and then you go to Dixie State. In terms of confidence, how, how beneficial was that? Your time at Dixie State to your career?
2: I honestly, I couldn't even imagine going to Dixie State out of high school. The competition there was, when I walked on campus there my junior year, it was a senior heavy team. So it was an older team, guys that were 22, 23, and these guys were mature men. Going there out of high school honestly would have. A- would, would have been the worst thing? After I tore my ACL, I sat out the fall. I got to get like a feel of what the program was about and who the guys were and how they were. It was just competitive in me. After I tore my ACL, I, I wanted to make this. I wanted to make professional baseball a job. It wasn't just like a game anymore. I wanted to make it a career. So that's. I think making that jump to to Dixie really really helped my chances of becoming a professional baseball player.
0: Do you have a specific moment at Dixie State where the light kind of goes off in your head and you kind of say to yourself, playing pro ball, I I could make this happen?
2: I'd say, I'd say the regionals, uh, actually, when I broke the record for the RBIs, we were playing against California Baptist. And California Baptist was an incredible team. Seeing those guys getting drafted from that team and being able to compete against them, I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe playing professional baseball isn't as far as I think it is.
1: So were you, at this time, were you, you know, obviously you're just having a killer season, <laughs> literally breaking records. Like, did you have scouts talking to you? Or is it kind of something that you were just... Hoping would come along eventually. You know what? How do, what did that look like?
2: I had a couple area scouts. The Brewers had some questionnaires. Uh, the A's. And there was one other team, but they, they just sent questionnaires. It was nothing, nothing that was like, yes, I'm going to get drafted this year. I thought, wow, I'm having a great year. Why, why is nobody talking to me? I couldn't figure it out. So that was kind of frustrating. But other than that, the questionnaires, those were, those were the only times I ever talked to like area scouts or anything.
0: What's that questionnaire process like as much as you can share?
2: It's very long. They want to know everything about you, everything about your family, your history. They're, they're basically just, they want to see where you come from basically, health wise and everything it's it's very long it's it's probably like a 15 sheet paper of tons of questions wow
0: i'm very thankful i was never that great at baseball that i didn't have to go through that (laughs) stuff that sounds very strenuous
2: it was not bad. It's
1: for <laughs> it's for something great, so it's 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 okay. <laughs>
0: it's very very true.
1: So Logan, one thing I kind of wanted to bring up, and something you had mentioned before, and I know a little bit about this story, but in all honesty, I'm just interested to hear the whole thing. Who is this Daryl Kennedy guy, and you know what do you have to say about him?
2: I don't know for sure, but I think about 90% sure that DK is the man that got me into the Royals Affiliate Association, whatever you want to say. So a little background on DK. So my brother and Cade, which is Daryl's son, played baseball together growing up. So in high school, my sophomore year, my sophomore summer, DK was like, hey, the clubbies need some help. Are you willing to help them? I was like, yeah, this would be incredible. This is my first time being inside a professional clubhouse. So I did that my whole entire sophomore summer, probably like four four days a week for the whole summer. Um, then when school started up, I stopped. So then my junior year rolls around, and DK comes to me again, and he's like, hey, Will Simon over here needs help again. And I'm like, awesome, I can do it. This is great. I'll, I'll manage playing summer ball and doing that, going back and forth. So I did that my sophomore, junior summer. And then my senior year rolls around, I'm like, Okay, DK gonna he's gonna see if I can club you again. Well, I was wrong. He said, "Hey, hey, Logan, we need a bullpen catcher. Can you come catch bullpens for our A Z L team?" When he said that, I was just like, "Oh my goodness!" Like I'm gonna be in a locker room with these guys. I'm gonna be hanging out with these guys. You know, doing all this stuff with them. So that was like my first interaction with pro guys. To this day, I really think that DK was the man that got me in the door, and I'm
1: forever grateful for him and. It's just—it's a surreal, surreal thing. So, looking ahead and knowing Daryl's background, he it is the former head coach of the Northwest Arkansas Naturals, which is the Double A affiliate for the Royals. Is that correct? Yes. So, you had an at bat in Double A. <laughs> I did. Wait, was he the
2: coach at the time <laughs> no he was not he was he was the high manager at the time that was okay just a filler. that was that was just a filler that's nothing that's one of the other catchers had a concussion and they needed a guy to come up ASap just in case anything happened
1: but getting no. in it was pretty incredible I tell you <laughs> I bet that was an awesome thing and we, we were kind of just looking over that and thinking you know with dK's background like at any point did you ever play for him or did he just kind of stick his neck out for you as as just a guy?
2: yeah I think he just stuck his neck out like I said I'm forever grateful for him I don't know if it's 100% sure but I have a really good feeling that his word gave me a chance it was I remember getting a call from Nick Lido which is another guy for the Royals and he was like hey you know we'd like we'd like to sign you as a free agent and I'm like really I'm like wow this is this is incredible and he was like it's not going to be like a bullpen gig like you might get a chance to play he's like i'm not going to guarantee you playing time but you will be on the roster and i was just like how is this possible what did dk do you know
1: <laughs> so assumingly like you just dropped everything and signed that contract
2: oh yeah the draft happened i think on the 6th that year after the draft i was bummed you know i was like wow my baseball career is coming to an end i was like i didn't i didn't think i had a very good senior year at dixie so i was just kind of bummed i was like wow this is this is how it ends and then i get a call from dk like a couple days later and He's like, hey, don't give up baseball yet. Don't quit yet. He's like, Just keep hitting. I'm like, okay, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Two weeks later after the draft, I can't remember what day it was. I want to say it was like the 14th fourteenth of June. I get a call from Lito, and he's like, hey, we'd like to uh, – Sign you as a free agent. Are you are you down? And I'm like, am I down? When can I start? <laughs> <laughs> it happened. It happened so fast. It really did. It was it was surreal.
0: So if you if you never got that call, what would you be doing right now?
2: That's a good question. I know my wife was going to kill me, but I've always. After my brother joined the Army, I've had this weird obsession with the military, and I've actually, with this whole coronavirus, I've been going on to the Luke Air Force Base out here in Arizona, and I actually got the pleasure to talk to a pilot, and I'm like, hey, man, what are the steps to becoming a pilot? I've been so addicted to wanting to be like that. I don't know why. I don't know why my brain does that, but it's been like that. I think I probably would have joined the military. I've been working for my dad as of late, but that kills your body.
0: You should be playing baseball right now. You should be on the road somewhere playing baseball. What are you doing now to, to pass the time now that you're not?
2: So my dad actually has his own little side business that actually has picked up big time. He does garage floors. I've been doing that during the week. I go and hit at the complex. They still have the complex open for us. And I've actually made my own home gym on my side patio at my parents' house. I've got made my own squat rack out of two-by-fours, I got weights that I'm actually making now. I got like 45 pound plates, so I've been become very handy throughout the coronavirus.
1: You're making your own weights?
2: Can you? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously all the gyms closed and whatnot. Um, so I was like, well, what can I do to make my own gym? So I googled, or actually Eric Sim guy on Twitter. He made a squat rack out of concrete 2 by 4s and like a Lowe's bucket. And I'm like, I can do this. I, I made the first one, the 1.0. 1.0 was really good. And then a kid I went to school with at Dixie, actually, his brother, he goes to BYU. He's like, hey, can I buy that off you? And I'm like, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll sell it to you. I don't, I don't really know how much to sell it for. So we sold it to him. I sold him like eight 45 pounds plates, 2 25-pound plates, and a bar. And then I made a whole new one, a whole new set up like a 2.0 and i'm actually in the process of making a bench right now out of two by fours so it's it's been pretty fun and and
1: these weights are made out of concrete out of concrete yes sir <laughs> that's the king of the juco bandits would be, yes. uh, would be super proud eric sim uh, yes. is an awesome twitter presence and obviously like he lives for stories like that so i'm sure he's digging that
2: oh yeah i actually tweeted at him the first weights I did and that tweet went it went viral. I think it had like seventeen thousand views or something. It was incredible. I was like, Wow, this is this is
0: cool. Yeah, you have a career lined up after baseball at yeah, home that's gym. It. That's it. I just trying to be I wanna
2: be more handy, so I wanna learn new things. So I've been really talking with my dad. I'm like, hey, what can I you know, what can I learn? Or what can I try to learn to do? and what's what's a better time than now honestly we have so much downtime
0: that's interesting to me that that mindset of i just want to learn new things how do you translate that to baseball
2: hmm, that's good so so in burlington actually so before every game we would have scouting reports um on the pitcher that we'd face for that day so just trying to learn what his his pluses are is something that you know it takes i don't know how to explain this it's it's more about at the end of it just being competitive, but learning what that guy is really good at is something that I mean can help you in the long run. That's what that's why I think I had such a good year. We had a scouting report of like, you know, righty, righty, this guy in these counts, he's gonna throw a breaking ball, the percentages, okay. If you're if you're smart, you're gonna learn the percentages are pretty high. Maybe I should not sit on that pitch, but you know, educate yourself, you know and then be competitive at the same time.
0: So you get this call that, you know, hey, we have an option an option for you here. We're not guaranteeing playing time, but here's a path to professional baseball. What do you remember about your first at-bat, and how far along in this process did that come?
2: So my first at-bat came, it was about nine days after I signed. And I wasn't catching, actually. I was playing first base, so the our manager at the time, I'd take ground balls at first base just because that's what I did in college. They, they signed me as a, a catcher, but I always thought I was athletic enough to play a little bit of first base. So I, I was taking ground balls, and I remember coming in to the clubhouse, whatever day it was, like nine days after I got drafted or signed as free agent, and seeing my name on the lineup. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm actually going to make a start. Uh-huh. And it was against the Dodgers out of all the teams. And I don't know if you know anything about the Dodgers minor league affiliates but every single one of them throw like 100 miles an hour it's against the dodgers it's off this cuban guy everybody was talking about our latin guys were talking about he was like yeah this cuban guy is starting for them today he signed for like 16 million he's down here just like getting innings because it's super cold where he pitches and he doesn't want to go pitch in the cold and i'm like great the one time i get an opportunity to play i'm facing this righty throwing 97 to 100 i'm like well, this isn't very good, but we'll see how it goes. And I knew at that time, you know, my my opportunities to play were very slim, already going in. I already knew, you know what, free agent, the odds of me playing this year are very slim. So the opportunities that I get, I got to make the most of it. So I remember I'm hitting nine hole, and we're facing this Cuban guy throwing 97. The first pitch I see, it was incredible. I almost hit a home run over the right center field fence. I think <laughs> I, I hit a stand-up double, but I was like, What in the world just happened? It was just like a big blur. I remember getting back to the dugout, and I was like, what just happened? I don't even know. I don't even know. I was just so, like, juiced up and amped up. And my parents were there. My wife was there. It's 115. We're playing in the AZL. My first at-bat, I almost hit a home run. I'm like, all right, this could professional baseball, this could be interesting. Let's see how it goes.
0: That (laughs) is awesome. Do you still
2: have the ball? I do still have the ball. It's actually in my
1: room. It's right here. I'm looking at it. (laughs) There we go. I I bet that's one you'll never forget that that is that is for sure. <laughs> so, how do you harness, you know, you said you got on second base and you're you're having these feelings of like what just happened? How do you control your nerves being in, you know, an undrafted division 2 guy not getting very many opportunities, you know, how do you harness this? I think it just goes back to I'm I'm really big on routines. So, when I found out I was in the
2: lineup, I was very I was very amped and I was very nervous, but I knew okay, I need to stick to the same routine that I've always done since high school, really. Whether it's before the game, before it's, um, you know, on the on-deck circle, walking up to the plate. When I get to the plate, it was all about routine. And then when I got in the box, I was like, okay, take a deep breath and just have some fun. And that's all. That's how it happened. I was confident enough, yes. Was I nervous? Yes. But I just, it's the same game. It's the same game. You know, it's from high school to college to pro ball. it's, It's all the same game. Guys, just get a little bit better from each level.
1: Well, I think that's interesting that you say that because I feel like that's a you know that's something you hear a lot about baseball. It's, oh, it's the same game. You know, I know for a fact, I. Was- in my first Division Three game, I got absolutely lit up. And, you know, somebody told me, like, hey, it's the same game, man. Like, I didn't have the mental capability to keep my cool. You know, and, and so hearing that is interesting that you were able to actually stick to the plan. Because you, everybody, you know, what is Mike Tyson says? Like, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. I think that's really, really cool to hear that you're able to remember what you did in high school and bring it to places like the Appalachian League and places you're just absolutely tearing it up.
2: It's all confidence, too. I remember going back the first day i walked into the clubhouse signed as a free agent i remember you know i'm sitting next to guys that were just playing in the college world series i'm like how can i even relate to these guys but then you you get to know them you get to know them on a personal level and then you get comfortable with them and then you can be yourself you know that's i think that's the big thing you know that's about being a good teammate as well you know you get to know these people more than just baseball get to know them get to know who they are do they have a girlfriend? You know, how are their parents? Where are they from? What school do they go to? What kind of job do they want to have after baseball if it's not going to work out? You know, it's it's getting comfortable with these guys that makes your performance just skyrocket. Because no one's trying to, like, be the, the man the man in the clubhouse. You know, everybody everybody's got their own job they need to do. You get comfortable with the person you're working next to. Everybody's performance is going to go up.
0: That's that's kind of a cool thing that Kyle and I were talking about before this is that you have such a cool story. I'm going to credit this to Kyle because he said it. You don't have to go to Vanderbilt and get drafted seventh overall. You don't have to go to Arizona State, University of Florida. There are so many, so many paths to get to professional baseball and so many stories you certainly have a very unique story in, in how you got there
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's i think it when it comes down to it it's, i mean it's all about being competitive too whatever level you're at d1 d2 d3 juco get the guys that are the most competitive are usually the ones that keep climbing ladder yeah skill base is is big but if you're really competitive and you have somewhat a skill, you know. Some scouts are going to take that chance because you know you can't find competitiveness in everybody. Not everybody has that that gene or like that you know that going
1: on in their head. That's just not how some people are wired. That's what I really believe. I'm glad you said that. So I wanted to share one more quick thing with you that we had another one of your coaches who is Coach Flatten, another high school coach. But another side note is he actually cross checked you as a scout once you were in pro ball. And something he said, and I'll make this quick, was that. You have the it factor, and it's something that nobody can explain. It doesn't go on a twenty eighty scale, and it's what separates the winners from the losers. Those are his words. Do you think that describes you well as a player? I think so. I've always, you know, I've
2: never been, I've never thought I was the best player on the team. I've never thought I was the most athletic, not the strongest, but I think something that kind of goes unseen is I'm, I think I'm the most competitive in anything I do. I remember taking physicals here in the fall or in spring training and I was getting so pissed because I was like, why are my numbers not as good as everybody else? I want to be the best, you know, and we're doing stretching things, not even anything that has to do with baseball. It's having that competitive edge that it, it really could take you to the next level. I have like a quote that I always I look at It's It says the good ones work out, the great ones outwork. And that's something that it just gives me chills because I'm not the most talented. I know that I'm not the strongest. I know that I'm not the fastest, quickest, whatever you want to say, but I will outwork everyone. I can guarantee it. Getting your mind right beforehand is is the major key. Something that I'm taking on now, this sounds crazy, but one of my roommates in college Jason Freeman uh, put me on this lifting guy called Corey Gregory. His big thing is is lunges he doesn't like to he doesn't like to run for conditioning but he'll lunge and he'll lunge for distance every single day so every single day for the last like I think it's day 26 I think today is I lunge 400 meters every single day. I think in your mind right if you can get your mind right now in a game it should be pretty simple that's that's my thought process throughout it.
0: My big takeaway from that, being competitive in this fire and this drive, it's not born overnight. Like, it's not born because all of a sudden you're in the Royals organization. Where does that stem from? Did you grow up in a competitive household? Did siblings play sports?
2: Uh, That's a good question. I think, so after I tore my ACL, I saw how fast this game can be taken away and i didn't want it to be taken away so i was like what can i do like i said i know i'm not the best i'm not the fastest the strongest but i can be the most competitive one you know i could i could have the most competitiveness attitude in everything i do i think after tearing my acl it was like that 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 snap it was like okay this game can go away there are people better than me how can i be better than them you know if i can't be physically mentally i will be stronger than everybody I think that at that moment when I tore it, it was it was something that small to really make a big toll on my life. Honestly, it mm-hmm. was a game changer. It was it was something so fast. It was I don't even know how to explain it. Honestly, yeah. kind of a blessing in disguise. It sounds like. Yeah, honestly, I remember I had just bought new catcher's gear for that year, and I remember writing on what days I wanted. It was like day three three hundred was the day I wanted to be able to put the gear on, and every day after rehab, I'd come home and I'd check it off. And I remember just seeing how far away the goal was, but seeing how the goal was getting closer, I was like, okay, I can do this. Just got to take it day by day, get my mind right, and and just work hard. And that's that's what I did throughout the whole process. Because I tell you, tearing an ACL, man, I couldn't, I couldn't believe. It took me like 30 days to start walking again. I was like, why am I like this? You know, why is it? Does everybody like this? I remember talking to some football guys, and they were like, oh, no, we were walking like the next day. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm not strong enough mentally. And it was right there. I was like, okay time to get my mind right i need to really make my mind strong because that's that's where that's where you win all the battles it's all in your mind i really believe that
0: bringing you back to baseball and stuff what were your like your first impressions of crowds because you probably high school college you're probably not playing in front of hundreds thousands of people but when you start playing in front of crowds in in professional baseball what was that like
2: in college, I actually got the opportunity to go play in the Coastal Plain League, and that was probably the first time I got got to play in front of crowds, playing in front of like five, 6,000 people. I remember going out the first time. It was it was the first game of the year. I'll never forget it. It was at Peninsula Pilots. It was a sold-out game. It was like 5,800 people all booing, and I was like, this is so nerve-wracking. I, I literally couldn't even. I was shaking. I was like, this is crazy but I remember playing along with guys that were you know they were at the big schools the big d1s and the acc the unc chapel hill the nc states the dukes and I was like like you guys aren't nervous they're like no man we play in front of like 10 more thousands of people and I was like okay if they're not nervous then I can't be nervous so I think it was just that whole summer playing in front of fans it really got you acclimated and you know it makes it more fun you play in front of people that want to watch you succeed it's you want to do even better so it's it's fun.
0: Mm-hmm. What's the strangest encounter you've ever had with a fan?
2: Oh, strangest encounter? That's a good question. I've had some weird encounters. It was actually at Peninsula, where our dugout was was the uh, the beer garden. So I remember every time you'd look to your left, these like it was a military town, and these guys would always be harping you, and they're like, "Hey, you know, we're gonna throw your beer on you or whatever." And I was like, "It's summer ball. This is this game doesn't even matter." So <laughs> I was like, "What is?" What we want? How are you guys doing this it's it's june you know it's, this doesn't even count <laughs> i think that was probably the most that was a weird encounter that's for sure
1: yeah i had a uh, a summer ball experience where a guy was kind of chirping me like that and then he asked me how old i was and i said 18 he was like 24 and he said like dude what am i doing like this is yeah. a kid yeah <laughs> you know, that's, what
2: the, that's what the fans they don't understand they they go to the summer ball games and they think these guys are all they all think they're professional players because they don't they don't understand and then You know, you start having conversations and they're like, Oh my god, this guy is I'm thirty years old and I'm I'm talking down to a eighteen year old. Like, you just sound like a horrible person.
1: So okay, so let's do this. Compare these crowds that you've played in front of during when you were in the Coastal Plains League to somewhere like the Appalachian League. Is it similar? So Pulaski
2: Pulaski Yankees had the most fans, I'd say. Every time we played there, it was always really packed. So now at that point you're playing you're playing to beat the other team. Like this game actually matters. So those fans heckle big time. I remember standing on the on deck circle and these guys are just giving it to me. I'm like, I don't know you people, and you guys are grandpas. I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm still confused. But it seemed like every time we played against Pulaski, I always had really good games, so I always made a chirp back whenever I'd run back to the dugout. <laughs> what well,
1: it sounds like <laughs> you had a lot of good games that season, too, so it's hard. probably wasn't like, super in, hard to differentiate. Especially against Pulaski, I always I
2: grew up a huge Yankees fan, so I was really bummed that I didn't get drafted by the Yankees. So I was like, okay, well I'm gonna make them pay for it. And every game we played against Pulaski, I I always had really good games because I always I always wanted it that much more.
0: Here's here's kind of an interesting like a a, a really cool thing that probably a lot of people who aren't from Arizona, like the three of us are all from Arizona, so we know this. Your high school, Valley Vista, is like a nine iron away from the Royal Spring Training Complex. Like You could probably hit it with a rock. It is that close. How awesome and mind-blowing is that, that your new office at the Royals Complex is so close to where you grew up playing high school ball?
2: Yeah, it's funny because um, when I meet new people for the Royals, especially you know, guys that play in the big leagues and whatnot. And they're like, oh, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, I'm from here. And they're like, oh, cool, where Where in Arizona? And I'm like, actually, I live like five minutes down the road. I, I literally live in Surprise. And they're like, oh, wow, that's crazy, blah, blah, And I'm like, yeah. You know, I saw, I saw it all happen in high school when, you know, when the Royals, when Billy Butler was here and all that. So I, I remember coming down to spring training practices and watching these guys practice on the same fields that I'm now playing on, which is kind of a surreal thing, but it's, it really is fun. It's seeing that next wave of kids that when I was their age, you know, they're they want to be in my shoes. And I'm like, those are the those are the people where I take the time and I'm like, hey, how's it going? You know, oh, you're from here, nice. I went to high school right there. It's not far, as far away as you think. You know, guys, people from around here can still make it there.
1: Yeah, and you sort of give those guys who are, you know, they were those you know those kids that are in your shoes. Like it, it's got to be motivating to you to be playing for these kids that are just looking up to you.
2: Oh yeah, that's what. I, that's what it's all about. Like, I remember when I was a, a young kid, they used to have—I uh I don't know what it's called at the time—but ASU used to come down and play at Surprise Stadium. And I remember being a bat boy, and I have a picture actually. It's not in my room; it's in the other room uh, with Jeff larish which, which was a uh, ASU great. And I remember him taking the time to talk to me and like actually have a conversation as a kid. And I'm like, you know what? That's what—that's how I want to be. You know, because. That's somebody I'll I'll remember forever. So whenever I get the opportunity to take the time to like get to know a younger kid, that's that can make a kid's life. You know, you never you really never know that that kid could be the next Mike Trout. Who would know? So you got to give them that hope of you know you know if you work if you work your your butt off, you know you could be in my shoes. It could happen. So I think taking that time out really I think that's a separator. I really do.
0: What's the hardest thing about being a professional baseball player at the minor league level? I like the first thing that comes to mind is is the travel for me. Like you're not you know, it's not planes, you're you're road tripping everywhere. What's the most difficult thing?
2: I think the travel for sure. I haven't had trouble with the travel coming from Northwestern, we travel 12 hours on a bus and then play the next day. So it was kind of it was kind of that kind of uh same kind of boat, so getting to pro ball yeah it's, it's a little difficult you play games at 7 you get done at you know you get done at 11:30 and then you got to travel to the next place so the days are long but i've been through way worse i get paid to play professional baseball this is i mean it's not much it's not that difficult it's it's really it's really not it's it still as difficult don't get me wrong but i've been through way worse this is this is breeze especially with like the hotels they put you in you're not i mean you're not staying on some jack
1: hotel you're staying in a nice a nice spot. So what's the what's the coolest part then? You know, you you said, you know, the the travel's kind of tough, but what's, you know, what's the best part about playing professional baseball? Every kid's dream.
2: <sighs> the best part about playing professional baseball. That's a good question. I think just having the title when people ask you, you know, oh, what do you do? I remember talking to, like I said earlier that Air Force guy, he was like, "Oh, well, what do you do? What do you do for a living?" and I'm like, "Well, actually, <laughs> I played I played professional baseball. And he his eyes lit up, and I'm like, dude, your job is way cooler, I promise. We all want to be like you. And he was like, well, we all want to be like you. And it was just, you know, it was cool telling people that you play professional baseball because it's, like I said, like the pyramid scheme, you know, from high school to college, to college to pro ball, and then pro ball to guys that make it into the big leagues, you know, that pyramid scheme is, is very, very small. So so I, I think that would be a
1: – And I can imagine there's a certain – extra level of pride when you say i'm a professional baseball player you know maybe even compared to some of your teammates guys who went to bigger schools or you know had huge signing bonuses like that sort of thing i can't you know i can just totally picture that's got to be like a great feeling to say i didn't come from these huge schools i didn't sign for all this money and here i am you know hitting 336 in my first two years of pro ball you know nine bombs last year and hanging with these dudes
2: that ma- that's what makes me wonder if i could have played you know i always i always it's always been a question mark it was you know could i have played at a big d1 you know could i have done it and i'm forever grateful playing at d2 especially you know at dixie state with with chris fadenhower over there letting me walk on it was if he never would have gave me that opportunity i i would never I would never be in the shoes I am. I I really, I don't
0: believe I would. We have a few more questions for you. Kind of lighthearted stuff. Who were guys that you loved and and loved to watch growing up? Who were some of your favorites?
2: My favorite player growing up was Jorge Posada. I wanted to be just like him. I just couldn't not use batting gloves. (laughs) Um,
0: I was about to ask that. Do you wear batting gloves?
2: Yes, yes I do. (laughs) Um, He he was always my favorite player. I don't know why. I always wanted to be a switch hitter. I always wanted to wear number 20. My last name is Porter, so I was like, I can be Port Sada. I was like, this is perfect. So <laughs> that was that was my favorite player. And then my favorite swing I always – I still really enjoy watching is actually a Seattle Mariner. This is someone up your your neck of the woods, Kyle. Uh, Edgar Martinez. Oh, yeah. I, I love I, – I remember a college coach telling me, he was like, you'll never hit with your hands that high. And I'm like, this guy is a Hall of Famer. He hits with his hands really high. I'm like, what do you mean?
1: Well, talking about Edgar, there's a certain level of multiple parts of his swing that are controversial, if you will, amongst the hitting world. But, you know, his back foot pops up when he pivots. You know, mm-hmm. his, his hands start high, but he rakes. And, that's and he's a Hall of Famer now, baby. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. If, if you rake, why change it, you know?
0: Rules are meant to be broken, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I guess the last question then is, is that your is that your favorite swing of of all time, Edgar?
2: I I think so. That's that's a guy that, you know, still to this day, that's the guy that I watch. I you know, I I do swing breakdowns of him and I do swing breakdowns of me and I'm like, "Okay, who can I emulate?" And that's that's someone I really like to look and, you know, I start with my hands really high and I scissor my back foot. I literally do exactly what he does. So that's that's something that's who I That's who I really enjoy watching. And there's still great hitters around the league right now with, you know, Mike Trout, Nolan Arenado. But it doesn't get any better than a left-handed Robbie Cano swing.
1: Oh, man. I couldn't stand it when he left, man. <laughs> I loved when he was in Seattle. I loved all of his time there. But, you yeah. know, I, I you talk about pretty swings. I think Edgar should definitely be in that talk. And I think he's finally getting some of the credit he deserves. And I actually didn't know that that was one of your favorites. So that's actually really exciting to hear. Yeah, that's –
2: like all the films, uh actually we just got a new hitting coordinator and he was like, Hey, you know you know who swing you emulate and I was like, I have no idea. I've never seen anybody hit like me and he was like, You hit like Edgar and I was like, No And I'm like, Come on And he was like, Yeah, you guys I mean you had the same swing and it's it's not the same swing, but I like to think I I try to do things like him.
1: Well, Logan, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. You know, we're super, super pumped to have you on here. And obviously an incredible story that we've really enjoyed getting to hear. Is there anything else? Any final thoughts? Do you want to shout out somebody, anything you want to share?
2: Mm, That's good. I just say you don't always have to come from the big D1s to be successful. And And I'm not successful where I want to be at yet. But I think if you work really hard, and you outwork people, you know, your dreams can come true, is as cliche as I can sound. I think just always having that bulldog attitude, that that grinder mentality, that's something Chris Fadenhauer always say, you know, you gotta be grinder, we always wanna be grinders. And that's something that stuck with me through him, that I've taken the pro ball. You know, I, I wanna be a grinder and be a hard nosed player. So that's if there's anything I can say to young people, be like that. Coaches love that. You know, you got to have the grinders on the team, the good teammates. Those are people that last a long time in this
1: game. Awesome stuff. Thank you again, Porter. Best of luck to you, and thanks for coming on. Yes, thank you guys. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Pitching Backwards, Lefties Get Loose, a podcast about all things baseball. Give us a follow on Twitter at PitchingBCKWRDS and join us in loving America's pastime.